Okay. Well, that was sweet, wasn't it? I enjoyed that. Um, just one service today, one service this week. It says we're in the spring break time. But uh, so I'm glad you guys took advantage of that and worshiped the Lord. Um, ask Rick to come uh, this week and minister. Uh, Rick has a podcast ministry that he's really reached an oil field with, and I think we're going to maybe cut some podcasts out of this. Will, be, will this be some soap? Maybe so. Anyway, it'll be on Facebook uh, live, and so, but uh, technical difficulties, but we can't record it. Okay, very, very cool. Um, so, anyway, y'all can pick up on that if you if you wish. Um, I think that's the extent of the of the announcements here. Rick's going to do some recording on his own here. Looks like too. So, brother, Rick Dole. Am I on? You're on. Okay, good. Thanks, Larry. Hey, thank y'all. Hey, thanks for that. Thanks a lot. Tell my wife. Uh, want to uh, just. Uh, start off by saying thank you to City of Refuge because, uh, you know, God, if you haven't, well, y'all all know, God puts you where you need to be at the right time, the right place, and he's put me in Andrews for a reason. He's given me that reason. I'm going to give you a little of it today. And so uh, I, I want to say thank you, first of all, and I'm going to pass these around. These have been on the window and we did these last summer with the kids. I want to say thanks again for all the adult helpers and all the kids who were there. But these uh, were the only drawings we did. We did plays to Scripture. We did different things to Scripture. But I had them do this drawing. And this is, uh, well, I'm going to pass them around. So just individually, just kind of start passing them around here. Let me, well, let's start from one side. That would probably be best. Look, Just look at one, pass it around. Uh, how many are ADD here besides me? Anybody? Good. ADD, Attention Deficit Dexterity. It's a great gift. It's not a disorder. So I want to just throw that out there. Uh, so you can look at these and listen at the same time. So if you can't, don't look at them. Listen. Okay. This is uh, Jesus returning on a big white horse for his what? Bride. For his bride. Thank you. So I'm going to move uh, along. And I want those to move you as well. And I have uh, today, you know, I've come and listened to Al Houghton, and I'm always amazed. But Al, uh, he can, he has so much. And I have a lot. And I know I only have a little time, so I'm going to try to present some stuff uh, today that I think will help uh, me and help you. First of all, I want to start off. Uh, with praying for you. So let's pray. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, and they shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. O God, who by the light of the Holy Spirit did instruct the hearts of the faithful, grant that by that same Holy Spirit we may be truly wise and ever enjoy your consolations. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. How many of y'all have heard that before? Anybody? A little, we call it the walk to Emmaus, maybe the Kairos prayer, but actually it's a prayer that's been around a long time before that in the history of the church. I grew up in the Baptist church in Fort Worth, Northwestern Hills Baptist Church. Um, they didn't believe in written prayers. They didn't believe in creeds. You know, it's got to be fresh. It's got to be new. 
they didn't believe in liturgy, but we sat, stood up for the first song, sat down for the second song, and stood up for the third song for the 19 years I grew up there. So, so anyway, we all have our, our where we're from, and that's where I'm from. That's where I grew up. But I got, you know, I would say mostly in high school, uh, I had a twin brother, and I was very shy, so I was always, uh, I thought I was an introvert until I took a Myers-Briggs test because all my family are so extroverted. I thought I was way introverted. And then I took a test called the Myers-Briggs, and it said that I was an extrovert. And I said, how can that be? And then I realized it's because all my family are so way off the scale that I'm in proportion to them. You know, I just thought I was an introvert. Yes, zealots was a good word. So I grew up, uh, my mom, uh, I used, I sometimes call her the bossiest lady in the world. I know she's not. There's got to be one other out there. I don't know. But, uh, my mom was oldest of five kids and she was, and her mom was sick when, when they were little uh, off and on. So mom had to jump in and just take, help take care of things. And then her, uh, giftings, I guess, were in bossing, you know, her, the spiritual gift of being the boss. And so, uh, then my brother, he kind of got some of that, so I just was the compliant child. I just did what I was told, and I rarely said anything because if people would ask, hey, Rick, how's school going? Mom would say, oh, he's doing this, 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 and this, and if, he, if she didn't talk, my brother would go, oh, well, we're doing this, this, and this, so I'd just nod and smile and go like this. Well, then by high school, people thought I was the sharpest tack in the box because, you know, it's that little saying, it, you know, if you, it's better to... Uh, uh, stay silent and be thought a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. And so I never removed my, my, I never opened my mouth. So nobody knew whether I was smart or an idiot or whatever. Socially, I was, I think, very awkward because my brother was the outgoing one. And I just didn't know how to do things. I remember, uh, the, my first girlfriend in high school, we dated two and a half years. I wanted to break up after six months. I didn't know how. I didn't know, you know, I didn't know, I didn't know who to talk to really or how to go about that. So, so, and she was a wonderful person. We had a great relationship and everything. I just, you know, it could have saved her some time. Uh, so anyway, uh, I'm trying to paint a picture of me and for a very good reason because, um, I believe when you look at someone, you get a first impression. And when you, you look at a six foot three white guy, I always think of like Tom Selleck or somebody like, especially if he's got a mustache or something. That's why I grew mine when I was in college because of Tom Selleck. And, uh, so you just put people in a box. You just automatically put them in a box. Uh, I have a friend, and I started this podcast with Oilfield. It's called B1 Oilfield. If you put a little B, a little E, and the number one almost in your podcast app, it'll it'll go ahead and fill in the rest. You hit, hit that. Just started it. have about five out there right now, B1 Oilfield. But um, there's a guy, uh, Rowdy Stillwell. He's from here, and we're doing the Rick and Rowdy show a little bit. And so... Uh, anyway, I <clears throat> was talking to Rowdy, uh, and telling him, you know, I clean Porta Johns in, in the oil field. And, uh, I won't get into all that, the cleaning story or the cleaning thing. I have some of it in, in one of my podcasts. But basically, he said, you know, when I look at you, Rick, I don't, I picture the Methodist pastor. I don't picture the guy cleaning my Porta John out in the oil field. And I said, and, and God has a really good sense of humor, doesn't he? I don't, but there's a reason he has me out there and I, I, I won't get into it. Well, I, I, at the end, you'll understand. So God, uh, 
had me, I went off to Texas Tech. I uh, got far away from, well, party school, I tell you. Uh, I majored in architecture and civil engineering, and it was, uh, uh, there weren't that many architecture schools at the time, so I picked the furthest one away from Fort Worth, Texas, 300 miles away. And uh, it was it was a good school and everything, but I just, I slowly partied and partied and partied till I hit bottom. Probably in ninth grade, I won this award called the Daughters of the American Revolution Award. And I was almost embarrassed to get up and go get it because I thought, I'm not a girl and I'm getting a daughter award. What's that about? I didn't even know what it was. And then I realized later, this is the award they give to somebody who, uh, they've run out of awards, you know, all the real awards, but they want to give something to you because they just think you're a nice guy. So that's the award I got. So that's kind of who I was. That paints a picture. So when I went off to college, I did, I was still that nice guy, but I wanted to be that other guy. So I started partying slowly and partying and partying. And then I got a job at UPS as a part-time supervisor and making too much money, spending it on partying. I'd wreck my car every weekend, get it fixed during the week, and drive it the next weekend. It just, it was just, some of y'all know uh, what the, the late 70s, early 80s were, were like. And so anyway, I hit bottom, and finally I called out to God. I, got, I, I was just sitting there. I said, God, if you're out there, you know, that's kind of where I was. God, if you're out there, I need your help. And man, God showed up. He started moving people out of my life, and he brought people into my life. And he had people invite me to church. I told this guy at UPS one day about it. I said, I just I need to talk to somebody about God, and I know you're a Christian because you don't cuss when the boxes hit you, and you don't laugh at the boxes. <laughs> at the boss's dirty jokes, and I said, you walk away. I said, I just want to spend time with you, and he ended up discipling me for two years, two years. He discipled another guy there in Lubbock, and he, he finished his master's, and he just stayed an, another year to disciple me and this other guy. And so God did that. He invited me to church, and he invited me to Trinity Church in Lubbock, and so I I went to this large non-denominational charismatic church and my little Baptist self was going, well, we don't do this and we don't do that. And I was like, but you know what? My motto was I'll do, I'll try anything once when I was drinking. So I thought, well, I'm not going to change my motto. I'll try if it's for you, Lord. I mean, I'm not going to do anything, but Lord, I'll do, you know, I'll try it once. So, you know, I lift up my hands. I realize, man, I'm six three. I'm going to wipe out a few people. So next, Next Sunday, I'm going to sit where there's some room, and then I'm going to try that. And it was awkward, and then I realized, uh, then I started reading through the Bible, and I thought, wow, lifting holy hands is in the Bible. You know, we growing up, they'd have the most powerful, wonderful musicians in Fort Worth, the greatest uh, Christian singers come to our church, because it was a, a, good, a good-sized Baptist church on the northeast side of Fort Worth. And then there was this powerful music, and at the end of it, four guys, old men on the front row would go, Amen. And I was like, you know, it was, I didn't, we didn't clap, so I don't know why I wanted to clap, but it's because my spirit was wanting to respond to this wonderful worship of God, and I didn't get the chance to. And so, uh, I, I went to Trinity Church, and it's like, wow, I can do what I want. I can, I can praise God the way I want. And I can uh, listen to God, and I can talk to God, and I started, my life just changed. My box started opening up, and it was a powerful, powerful time in my life when I just uh, became a different person, and I, I still was awkward. I tell people I'm fashionably illiterate. I mean, that's the worst part of my day, 
is going into my closet saying, what am I going to wear today? I have no clue. I have no clue. My, my kids get on to me because uh, my favorite store is uh, GW. Have you all heard of that, GW? Goodwill? Nobody else? Okay. I love it. I can tell you the best ones to go to for whatever you're looking for. So one day I was looking for a pair of these suede shoes that were kind of cool looking. I thought, Lord, I want to buy some of those. They're like 80 bucks, and I don't know if they're going to be the right ones, and I couldn't find them at the store. I'd prayed about two months for these shoes, and one day I went into Goodwill, and there's a brand new pair there. The only thing they were missing, their, their uh, shoelaces. $4. Brand new. You know what the reason I know they're brand new? Because they have those gum soles. And when you turn them over, the gum gets dirty almost immediately, and it wasn't dirty at all. I was like, oh, thank you, Jesus. GW. You know, I got some of that from my mom. Uh, she'd buy anything on sale in a heartbeat. So anyway, I'm walking along with the Lord. I'm growing. I'm getting, uh, I'm listening to God, and I'm starting to hear from God. I'm starting to learn how to hear from God. And I don't want to take a long time through this early, my story real quick, because I want to get to this other part. But I wanted to paint a picture of who I am. I have a twin, uh, had a twin brother. Uh, and of course, as I mentioned, he was kind of the, uh, the more outgoing one, the bossier one. But he had a lot of great skills. He was the salesman. And I've always told people, the only thing I can sell is Jesus. That's it. I just don't have a, you know, if I sell a car, I'm like, well, it's got this problem, this problem, this problem. I want $2,500. I'll take 500 Just get it out of my way. You know, <laughs> that's kind of the way I am because I just don't know. I just don't have it in me. It's, it's not wired in me. And so, but I can sell Jesus. I mean, Jesus, I'm like, man, you don't know what you're getting here. You're getting a deal because it's free. And it's amazing. It's the best thing you'll ever purchase in your life is a relationship with Jesus. So I can go there because I've been there. I said yes to Jesus. And Jesus came in and he transformed my life. And he gave me a purpose. When I was 25, I remember hearing uh, this study that said, when you're 25, your major opinions will never change in the rest of your life. You're kind of set in stone. And I remember before that even hearing a pope years ago had said, if you'll give me a child till they're five, I'll give you a Catholic for life. And there's some truth in that. How you shape them when they're young, they will not depart from it when they grow old. It's kind of biblical. And so uh, I remember saying, God, I'll never be that way. If you want me to do something, no matter how old I am, I will do it. I will change. I didn't realize he would actually call me on that years later. So I go, uh, I feel calling really into the mission field. Uh, I'll run through this part of the story real quick. Uh, I feel calling into the mission field, so I just kind of short circuit, circuit my long degree plan and end up with a Bachelor of Arts in Engineering, get out, go to seminary, do my three years of seminary in a timely manner because the other took 12 years, that other part of the degree. And uh, I come back to West Texas and Plains, Texas as a Methodist pastor, and I serve in the Methodist church 22 years. And then God calls me uh, two mornings in a row and says, you know, uh, actually, I'll, I'll just share this part of it. So we go through a consultation process once a year with our district superintendent. And it was a consultation about staying in Andrews, and there was some discussion about moving or not moving. And so I went home 
after that consultation, I was going to meet one more time with my district superintendent, but I was kind of distraught. Should I stay in, should I stay in Andrews? Should I move? What's going to happen, Lord? What's going to happen? And God didn't talk to me at all about the Methodist church, about staying, about moving. He didn't mention it at all. He woke me up at 2.30 after that that consultation. He woke me up that night at 2.30 in the morning and said, Rick, here's my church out there. It meets all over the world. And I want it to be in love with me. I want it to be my bride loving on me, praising me, speaking to me. That's what I want for my bride, my church. And so he talked to me for about two hours. And then finally I went to sleep. And the next night, 2.30 in the morning, he wakes me up. Had one of those digital clock, you know, 2.30. I'm like, oh, great. Here we go again, two hours. At the end of that, I was like, okay, okay, okay. You don't have to wake me up tomorrow, Lord. I'm doing it. That was January 2013. I, I ended up... Uh, well, talking to God, working through the process, talking to Larry some. Larry was a great help in the midst of this. And uh, so then retired in 2014 and started this ministry that they may be one. And that's because it's Jesus' final prayer uh, in John 17. If you haven't read it, you need to read it because this is his final prayer for you. It's a long prayer, and I'm not going to go through it all, but I want to just... Uh, touch those verses for you real quickly. In John 17, uh, he says, let me jump down to verse, I guess, here in verse 9. I ask on their behalf, I do not ask on behalf of the world. So he's not asking on behalf of the whole world. He's asking on behalf of you who have said yes to him, of everyone who said yes to him. So I ask on their behalf, I do not ask on behalf of the world, but of those whom thou hast given me, for they are thine. They're yours, Father. And all things that are mine, Jesus is saying, are are yours, Father, are thine, and thine are mine. And I have been glorified in them. So we're a shining light, so to speak, a praising, shining light. And I am no more in the world, and yet they themselves are in the world. And I come to... Thee or you, Holy Father, keep them in thy name, the name which thou hast given me. Keep them there in my name for a reason, that they may be one, even as we are. Now let's jump on down uh, to verse 20. I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but for those also who believe in me through their word. So he's talking about his disciples right there, but he's now he's saying all of us who believe because of the disciples, so it's been passed down. Uh, believe in me through their word that they may all be one, even as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they may also be in us, that the world may believe that thou didst send me. So we go out and try to save the world by doing all these schemes and these things that we think are right in the church. And Jesus has given us the way to win the whole world is by being one, that they may be one. So he, let's see, even as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, let's see, that they 
that they also may be in us, that the world may believe that thou didst send me. And the glory, this is verse 22, the glory which thou hast given me, I have given to them, that they may be one. Do you notice a theme here? Just as we are one, just as the Heavenly Father, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit are one, He wants us to be one. Now listen, I in them, Jesus in us, and thou in me, the Father in Jesus, that they may be perfected in unity, that the world may know that thou didst send me and didst love them even as thou didst love me. So the world will not know Jesus unless we become one. If we continue to divide ourselves to conquer, we're allowing Satan in because it's not God's spirit that's guiding that process. It's Satan's spirit. It's the, it's the demonic host, the third of the angels that left heaven. That demonic host is in the church today. It's in some of you today. I guarantee it. It's in, it's just, it permeates that, that demonic uh, host permeates our world, but it permeates the church. And we have no power over it because we try to cast it out on our own, especially in America. I have to do this on our own. So the church teaches you how to be a Christian on your own. And Jesus is saying, that's stupid. Because you're not on your own. We're all one. We're a part of the body of Christ, the bride of Christ. Now, so that's, so my ministry is to make us one. Now, in the Methodist church, we thought that is, we gotta be together. We gotta stay together. In a few months, the Methodist church will vote to split. And the bishops have been telling us for 40 years, this is the, this would be a terrible thing, the worst thing in the world. The reality is, we're already split. We're just saying we're united. And so now finally we're going to do the physical process of, of splitting. And I won't get into all of that. But the reality is the bride needs to, the, the true, perfected, glorious, beautiful bride of Jesus needs to come together. And there's a part of the bride that's not. I want to quickly jump in, uh, I'll, I'll quickly jump into Revelation, uh, chapter two and three. Have you all read that? Jesus is talking. He, he's talking to John. About seven churches, you know, uh, the seven churches. And, uh, there are seven of them, but two of them are doing pretty good. And, uh, I'm going blank on the name, uh, uh, Smyrna. Smyrna, yeah, that's the one. Smyrna, uh, is doing a great job, but here's, here's what's gonna happen. She's doing a great job, uh, blessed, Josh said blessed, read the Beatitudes, and blessed are the persecuted. She's going to get persecuted. She's going to die. But blessed are you if you just hang on till the end. Through that death, you'll be glorified and have a great place in heaven. That doesn't sound wonderful here on this earth. But that's one one of the ones who's doing the right thing. The other one's Philadelphia. And Philadelphia is doing the right thing. And Philadelphia is going to get to continue to do good things and, and, and lead the church in uh, the days ahead. So the, those two are doing the right things. The other five churches have spirits in them that are bad. And so uh, you've lost your first love. And these are in order. You've lost your first love. You are worshiping Baal. You are following the spirit of Jezebel. And you've allowed her to be in your church and, and teach in your church. Uh, so don't tolerate that anymore. Uh, you are asleep and you need to wake up. And the fifth one is... 
uh, you're neither hot nor cold, so I'm going to spew you out. So those are in the church. I'm going to tell you today, we are the church. And those same five demonic spirits are in not only local congregations, not all of them, because, again, there's two, there's, you know, there were two churches that were doing okay. But those same five uh, evil spirits are attacking today. They're attacking the church. They're still in the church today. And they're still in individuals today. And this is what I need to say to you today. Uh, you need to go to God and, and, and do a self-check. Each of us needs to do a self-check. We need, at different times, we need to just say, you know, uh, I got out and I, I was in the yard and I was doing yard work and I come in the house and I'm ready to eat supper, aren't I? No, I probably need to wash off my hands. If, that, if it was a really mess, if I've been out cleaning porta johns, I may need to take a shower. I may take those clothes off, especially if it's been muddy and rainy, and take a shower. Because everybody will say, man, something smells like mulberry. What is that? Well, it's those little blue tabs I use. Okay. So sometimes we need to clean ourselves. We need to check ourselves and clean ourselves. And we need to do that as a church and as individuals. And the way you do that is you go to God and you say, God, show, either show me uh, what spirits I have in me that shouldn't be there or are attacking me or they're attacking my family or they're attacking my local congregation or my business or whatever it may be and remove them in Jesus' name. I'm giving you as much authority as I have over my situation. I'm giving you that authority to remove it in Jesus' name. And you need to be doing that right now. You need to be doing it in your life today, this afternoon. When you go home, you need to just walk and say, okay, Lord, here's my house. Remove one of these five demonic spirits. And I'm going to give you a way that I believe is Jesus' way uh, And I'm going to just move real fast instead of going from a bunch of notes because it will slow me down. But I believe God has given us the way. He's given us that. uh, Jesus says in John 14, 15, see if you can finish this uh, verse for me. If you love me, you will. What? Wait, really loud. Keep my commandments. Y'all said it three times. Good. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. One thing we did this summer with the kids was try to learn through a song I kind of put together, the Ten Commandments. Uh, Jesus says in John 19, verses 7 and 8, he says, uh, For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and the bride has made herself ready, bright and clean, dressed in fine linen, which is the righteous acts of the saints. What are the righteous acts? Well, you can talk about a lot of righteous acts of the saints, but God actually wrote ten of them down. He wrote them. Why don't we start there? In fact, what does he tell us in Deuteronomy 6? They're found in Deuteronomy 5. Deuteronomy is the fifth book, the fifth book, the fifth chapter. So there's wisdom behind the teaching or the madness for those who helped this summer. And it is this, that God has given us the way to righteousness, to cleanliness. Being one is not about unity. Oh, let's just... Hold hands and sing Kumbaya. Okay. It's not about that. Being one is about, uh, and Al has done a great job on the fullness of God. The fullness of, of, is here. That's being one. To be one, you are complete. You are whole. You are perfect. You are glorified. You are beautiful. 
You are a white and shining bride in Jesus' eyes. That's what it means to be one. And so you are righteous. You are dressed in fine linen. And your, your dressing actually is, and you're going to have to take this on credit because I have all the notes, but I'm not, just not going to take the time. Your dressing is the Ten Commandments, I believe. Your clothing as the bride are the commandments of God. If you will love me, you will keep my commandments. You will wear the garments of a beautiful bride. And I'll tell you, the bride has no clue what I'm talking about when I say that. What are the commandments? Do you know them? There's only ten. You're given ten fingers. Some of the kids know them. They know the little song. And what is what does the Bible tell us? You shall... Talk about them along the way. When you're sitting down, when you rise up, you should write them on your on your front on your forehead. You should put them on your hand. You should be looking at them all the time. You should be knowing these Ten Commandments. And I'm going to tell you something that's really interesting. If and I'll just kind of run through them real quick, like this. Take your hands like this. Put your little fingers together. Number five and number six. Okay. You shall honor your father and mother. That's a physical commandment. It's not about really your father and mother. It's about obeying the physical authority on earth that God has given you. So it's really about God. So you shall obey your father and mother. You shall not murder. That's the physical thing we do against. That's the worst physical thing we can do against someone is murder. So the two physical commandments. Put your little fingers together. Put the next two if you can do it. I'm getting that little, one of those, getting that age. Uh, okay. You shall observe the Sabbath. Keep it holy. That's a mental thing. You, actually, you shall remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. And I changed that word in my song, actually. I'm trying to get my son to change that in the song on my video to remember because that's the more accurate word. Remember, it's about in the mind. Remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. And you shall not commit adultery. That's a mental task. Uh, where your mind goes, if you sow a thought, you reap an act. If you sow an act, you reap a habit. If you sow a habit, you reap a character, and if you sow your character, you reap a destiny. So through the thoughts of your mind, you become the person that you are. And you you become this thing that you think you like or don't like, or people are saying something about you, but the reality is it all begins with a thought. And so our actions of adultery begin with a thought, don't they? Right there, with a, it's a mental act. So that's the mental. The next one, you shall uh, not... T- Take the Lord's name in vain, and uh, you shall not steal. So those are spiritual. You don't take the Lord's name in vain. Uh, you, when you take the Lord's name, you take it honorably. You take it faithfully. It's not about just. It's not about saying two ugly words. It's about wearing the Lord's name on your shirt. So Texas Tech. Did you go to Texas Tech? No. Why, why are you wearing that shirt? Why are you wearing? That? I went to Texas Tech. I need to be wearing that shirt. Okay. He took Texas Tech in vain. That's exactly what I'm talking about right there. Thanks, Josh. Yeah, no, please do wear Texas Tech shirt. Keep wearing, keep wearing, keep wearing. So uh, are you for Texas Tech? You're not wearing it in vain. Good job. Okay. So, uh, but that's what we do. We take Jesus Christ. We say, I'm a Christian. We go to church and then we just live like hell. And so we're taking the Lord's name in vain. So it's a spiritual, it's the spiritual. It's what our spirit has said yes to. Either we've said yes to Jesus or not. You shall not steal is the same spiritual activity. 
How many have had anything major stolen from you ever? We had someone break into our house when I was in college. How do you feel? Your spirit is just broken. You're like, Bruh. So uh, stealing is the spiritual uh, commandment. Those, two, those are the spiritual commandment. The next ones are emotional. Uh, you shall uh, not worship, serve or worship idols, and uh, you shall not uh, bear false witness. So if you lie, uh, has anybody ever lied to you? Were you just emotionally kind of uh, bland about it? <laughs> you're, no, you're, your emotions whew, through the roof, don't they? So uh, to bear false witness is the, an emotional response to others. To uh, to um, not serve or worship idols is an emotional response. Did we sing wonderfully this morning? Was anybody emotional? And I went through that. I was going to use that Kleenex for when I was up here, but I had to find the box because I was too emotional during the singing because I was worshiping God. And so you shall not serve or worship idols. Those are emotional. And then you have relational. Uh, You shall have no other gods before me, and you shall not covet anything that belongs to your neighbor. Those are about the relationship with it. I don't covet your stuff because I want a good relationship with you. I don't don't, uh, have any other gods before my God because I have a relationship with God Almighty. So you have the relational, the emotional, the spiritual, the mental, and the physical all right there, the Ten Commandments. If you look at those five evil spirits that are connected, you have the relational, uh, you have left your first love. You have the emotional, which is Baal worship. You're just getting over to serving and worshiping an idol. You have uh, the spiritual, Jezebel. You've allowed a, the wrong spirit in to take over things. Uh, you're dead. Or, or, or you need to wake up. You're asleep. You need to wake up. And so that's the mental. Your mind needs to wake up to God. And the last one is the um, physical, that you're lukewarm. You're not physically on fire for God. They're all in order. I can go on and on and on with relating how the Ten Commandments, those uh give wisdom to our daily life. Our senses, I believe, uh, I've, I've said it a number of times, I can smell the Spirit in places. The reason I can smell the Spirit is because the sense that relates to Spirit is what? I'm pointing to give you a hint. The nose, okay. Uh, this is what? Touch, okay. So that's the physical. And actually you can go down. The physical, the eyes are the mental. You, uh, they br- bring a mental connection and they're the ones most connected to the brain, so you can kind of think of that. I'll just run through this real quick. You have the nose, and it's the spiritual. So you can actually smell spirits. You can go into a Walmart, walk down an aisle, and you're going, man, something smell right here. I'm going, now, it could have been somebody ate pizza before they came in or something. You know, it could have been one of those things. But it, it's not. It's the spirit. You know what I'm talking about. You go into a place, and you go, the spirit's wrong here. I can smell it. Uh, your taste is the uh, emotional. How many of y'all uh, can eat a piece of chocolate and, boy, your life just changes? You're happy, you know, okay. Or Mexican food or whatever it may be. Uh, it brings that emotional response. And then your what's the relational? Hearing. Hearing. So we need to speak to people. We need to hear from people. They need to hear from us. And that's how we relate to one another. So 
so I believe uh, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, created us male and female in his image. And then in that last verse at the end of chapter 2, he says, and they were both naked and unashamed. And I believe their clothing was his righteousness. And so they felt no shame because they were walking in the righteousness of God. Then they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And all of a sudden, they feel shame. And what do they do? They put on fig leaves. And then God makes them clothing. And it's it's not holy clothing any longer. But he comes up and he gives us the holy clothing. In fact, I believe David is a perfect example. As, he, as they're bringing the ark back into Jerusalem, what does David do? He's dressed in royal robes with a crown and a staff and all this, isn't he? No. He takes all that off. It says he's dressed in a linen ephod. And an ephod's kind of a thing like this, but it's just, it's the most simple white thing he had to show purity before God. And Micah, his wife, was embarrassed. She was ashamed because she wanted to see him exalted and lifted up. Instead, he was exalting the garments of the bride that were in the box, the commandments of God, the testimony of God. And so when we love God, we wear that testimony. We put it on. We put on the righteousness of God. But we have to be smart and we have to learn it. And we have to walk with God and learn how to use it and call out those spirits that are against it and do it in the name of Jesus because Jesus is our bridegroom. Trying to see where I ought to go from here. How much, are y'all getting anything? Is anybody okay? You're the bride of Jesus, and I've, I've you know, a couple of years ago, I had people say, "Well, men aren't going to understand being the bride or whatever." And I just, I just said, you know, I'm, I'm moving on. It doesn't matter if they understand or not. That's what they are. So I'm going to go there. So I tell guys in the oil field, hey, how you doing? You know, you're creating God's image. You're the bride of Jesus. And they're, they're probably going, I don't know what that guy was talking about. He cleans porta johns. What's he even talking about? You know, yeah. <laughs> there's a reason. Let me, let me take it back to me and then I'll close because it's spring break. And I'm probably going over. I can't tell because Mike's head's in the field. Five till. Five till. Okay. So uh, God has has had me cleaning. I was in Boy Scouts growing up. We cleaned things. I look, I've, I've mentioned this probably before to y'all that I, uh, I pick up trash. And the reason I pick up trash is not to, to make the world clean, but it's a tool I learned uh, about 30 years ago where I just said, God, I'm going to pick up trash, and every time I see a piece, I'm going to ask you, should I pick it up? Just to learn to talk to God. So it's a tool to talk to God. But God has had me clean lots of stuff, and I've told stories about all the nasty stuff he's had me clean up and when I started this ministry that first winter I didn't have a lot to do and I thought well if you live in Andrews or I've told people if you need to make a little money move to Andrews get your CDL and drive a truck so I drove a vac truck for three months when I got a CDL drove a vac truck for three months and I realized while I was driving that vac truck that you go and get the water off like like oil well pumps oil and the water and they separate the water and the oil is the good stuff like food it goes in and and it becomes part of our body, and it's the good stuff. But some moves on out, right? That's the water in the oil field. So I was taking that 
to the saltwater disposals, and it was going back in the ground. So that's what I did. And I thought, you know, basically, I'm, I'm running the toilet for the, the oil field. I didn't know at the time, a, a number of years later, I would be cleaning the toilets in the oil field. Because I took a job uh, driving the semi just part-time, hardly any time, uh, for Lone Star Rental. And then after a couple of months, a kid couldn't pass his drug test. So they said, Rick, if you'll run this route to Big Springs two days a re- week, uh, that'll help us out. So I've been doing that almost two years now. And that route is to clean port johns I never would have probably taken that job if that was the job. But I got in one way, and then God shifted, and so I'm cleaning port johns My job, I realized finally uh, a while back, is to clean the bride. I tell people the only difference between cleaning port johns and pastoring a church is the port john doesn't tell me how wonderful it is while I'm cleaning the <laughs> stuff out of it. Only difference. Only difference. So, church, get clean. Jesus is coming. I believe the Father now is focused on one thing, and that is I want Jesus' bride clean before he returns. I want her to get clean. He's called me out of one ministry and a good livelihood to just go do this till I drop. And that's what I'm going to do. I want you to be the bride cleaned up. So go get clean. Get her done. I'll just end with this because I did want to say there's a sense of urgency. It says be on the alert. You don't know the day God was coming. He says be on the alert. Be ready. Be ready. I won't get into all that. But I do want to just throw out a statistic real quick. So in about 587 B.C., 587 BC uh, the temple, temple was, dro- was destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar, and the, that sacrifice was ended. And now I know it was in 70 A.D. again after the temple was rebuilt and everything, but Daniel was in that time. And if you look at the very last chapter of Daniel, I'll just, instead of turning there, I'll just go through it. He says... Um, from the end of the regular sacrifice, there's going to be 1,290 days. So instead of 586 or 7, let's just say 590. Can we do that for math's sake? 590. So if you have 1,290 days, what day do you come to? Anybody know? I am. So you come to 700 A.D. 700 A.D. In about, uh, he says... He says, actually, you'll have the end of the regular sacrifice till the abomination of desolation. The abomination of desolation is uh, on the Temple Mount right now. You have a, a gold-covered it is, dome of the rock is what it is. And it's not a mosque. It's not a place of worship. It is just a figurative place that's over this rock that they believe. I won't get into all that, but that's where the beginning of Adam was and... and uh, where Abraham supposedly sacrificed Isaac and where Muhammad supposedly ascended into heaven. I just did get into all of it. But, uh, so there's the dome of the, there's the dome of the rock and it's there. And, uh, I've been there to Jerusalem. I've been there. I've walked up to it and it is there talking about a smell. Uh, you can smell a demonic spirit right there, right on the dome of the rock. That's the abomination of desolation. It was built in about 691, 92 AD. So a, really close to 700. So from the end of the sacrifice, 1,290 days, or years, yeah, I'm sorry, you can convert the days into years because then you have 700, 
100 A.D. Then it says, from abomination of desolation till uh, the end of times or coming again, there's going to be 1,335 days. So do the math real quick. What is 700 plus 1,335? 2035. I've told people often, uh, they'll say, do you believe we're in the end times? I said, I know we're one day ahead of where we were yesterday. That's my, because I know I'm telling the truth and they can't argue. But in my head, and I'm telling you, we may be really close, at least to what he revealed to Daniel back in the day. We may be really close. And I look at my sons, I go, no, I want them to have a long life and have kids and and I want grandkids and great grandkids. Well, I'll be I'll be Moses' age, 120 when all that happens. But but you know what? It doesn't matter because I'm a part of the bride of Jesus. Whatever He has for us, I'm a part of the bride of Jesus. So I want to be cleaned up. I want to be pretty. And I think there's an urgency right now. I believe uh, there were times, and again, I don't have time to go through all this, but I believe there was a, early on. Uh, there was a, a, we started with a relational age after the church, but then we went into the physical age of the church, the mental age of the church, the spiritual age of the church. I believe we've been through the emotional age of the church fairly recently. Have you all seen the news and how emotionally wound up the whole world is? But I believe we're in the relational time, which is the last stage of the church. Jesus said you can't know the day or time, but he said, look at the fig tree. You know the seasons of things that are going on. So I believe, church, that we are called to focus in on being that beautiful bride. So if you have other distractions and other things, ask God, should I really focus on that or what should I focus in on? Let me be that beautiful bride. And you know what? You're not supposed to do it on your own. We're all a part of the body. We're we're a connected body. And so God's placed me this close to you guys. This is the first time I've ever delivered this message like this because I have I was the guy that wasn't bold. I, I was the guy that wasn't bossy. I was the guy that didn't come out and just go, it's just like this, 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 and this. And I've always shied away, and I've held a lot of this message back for years. And I've asked to speak in churches, and people have let me speak in different churches. There's only one time that I can remember in the last five years that somebody called me or just said, hey, I want you to speak this Sunday. And it was, the, when was it, Tuesday or Wednesday, I think. I was over at Larry's and he goes, hey, do you want to speak for me? And I'm like, God, it sounds like such a little thing because we're good friends. And I, But I took it, okay, God wants me to unload. And I prayed, it's spring break, and I know you're going to bring the people that need to hear it. Just the people that need to hear it. So this is a message for you today. Facebook didn't mess up for a reason. I asked him if it was going to be on Facebook. He said yes. So I was all prepared. And then he goes, well, there's a glitch or something. It's on you guys. It's on you. And the recording, that I, whatever I can do with that. So let's pray. Father God, we are your bride. Jesus, we are your bride. Father, help us. Help us by the power of your Holy Spirit, to be beautiful, to be cleaned up. Overwhelm us with the filth in our lives and remove it. Give us wisdom to know your commandments and how they can reveal the whole world to us and how we can remove things only through your Holy Spirit and your power. 
Clean us up. Sanctify us. Make us one in love with each other. Make us one complete. Make us one perfect. Make us one full. Make us one whole. Make us one beautiful bride in Jesus' eyes. And just thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Rick. Thank you. You bet. Thank you all.